Say, you're Bobby Rivers, right? Bobby barely registers and nods while he looks around for women. I love how you beat Willie Dean tonight. I hate that guy. Bobby looks at the bar and sees Willie Dean talking to two girls. Hey, Chris, kayfabe. He looks at the fan. Sorry, man, we stay here. There's going to be a fight. Know what I mean? Let's go, Chris. Chris asks, why didn't we stay? There wasn't going to be any fight. Listen, brother, Bert Ironside's rule number one, baby faces and heels do not socialize. Why? It's all about protecting the business. You don't tell your five-year-old that there's no Santa Claus and faces and heels do not sit in a bar full of marks drinking together. Kings of the Ring is wrestling's first audio drama podcast as a fictional depiction of the 1980s wrestling industry in and out of the ring. Join us as we take you back to the 1980s. We'll be a fly in the wall in the locker rooms of the past while the wrestlers put together matches. We'll take you into the jam-packed arenas where the rabid fans of the past believed everything they saw was real. We'll take you inside the ring where you'll hear what the wrestlers talk about and you can feel the action. We'll take you to the underbelly of the arena where the wrestlers got into all sorts of trouble. And we'll take you to the bars and clubs where the boys got into even more trouble. And it wouldn't be 80s wrestling if we didn't end up at the hotel room. Search Kings of the Ring from any podcast app or go straight to the website kingsotr.com. From pillar to post and coast to coast. This is a one-man gang. You're listening to a book. Hey, do you watch wrestling? Ladies and gentlemen, it's one and all my name is matthew terry and this is the it's time to fight podcast thank you so much for clicking on that play button i tell you every single week i appreciate every single click that that play button gets and we have lots and lots of play buttons that you guys can click we are on podbean we are on spotify we are on itunes go over there and give us a five-star rating it does help But most of all, you can go to timetofight.ca and you can listen to every episode right there on the the site of It's Time to Fight podcast. You can go listen to Gregory Iron. You can go listen to Angelina Love. You can go listen to Ian Riccoboni. You can go listen to uh, Congo Kong. You can go listen to last week with Shane Saber. The week before that with Justin Sane. The week before that with Pretty Ricky. We got lots and lots and lots of great episodes for you to go back and listen to over on timetofight.ca. Earlier this week, I tweeted uh, in response to something Will Osprey tweeted. Uh, Osprey wrote, LOL, I'm loving the comments. Please keep telling me you hate this because I had 10,000 people loving this. Laughing emoji. By the way, since when does COS spell cause or cuz 
Um, anyway, my response was four dialogues that went along the lines of fan. I hate that there was no hardcore. Osprey. It wasn't a hardcore match. Fan. I only love hardcore matches. Osprey. You're wrong. Um, I hate that there was no old school wrestling. Osprey. I wasn't an old school or it wasn't an old school style match. Fan. I only love old school style matches. Osprey. You're wrong. I have a confession. I am the one who is actually quote unquote wrong. Um, what I should have alluded to is not Will Ospreay insinuating that people are wrong. Will Ospreay was insinuating that people are stupid. I was fine with Osprey's tweet. I got what he was saying. He was defending himself and his style. Each style is not going to satisfy everyone, and I get that. What got me was the laughing emoji. The man, you're stupid if you don't like my style of wrestling. He could have simply left it as my segment of the audience, my fan base. The 10,000 members of my demographic loved what I did. But he didn't do that. He needed to laugh at people were saying, what they were suggesting, what they were believing. I read a good majority of the comments to the video that Osprey is referring to. Simply because I hate talking about something without using most of the resources at my disposal. Not one person said, no one likes what you're doing, Will Ospreay. So I struggle to find the stupidity that Will Ospreay finds so amusing. Lately, I have been seeing a lot of I was bullied when I was younger, but look at me now type of posts on social media. Not surprisingly, I have a lot of wrestlers, wrestling personalities, and people lucky enough to be involved with wrestling on my social media. And each and every single one of these people deserve the right to stick their chest out and say, despite what I went through, I have achieved what I have achieved. Hell, I've, I've done it before. Growing up, I had a lot of my classmates tell me that wrestling is stupid, I'm stupid for watching it, and I'm stupid for wanting to be involved with it. Most of them dreamt of playing in the NHL. A good segment of that group wanted to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. In 2014, I hosted a Ring of Honor meet and greet in what used to be Maple Leaf Gardens. And the fact that I achieved my dream and did so in the building my classmates dreamt to play in has never been lost on me. I don't blame anyone for one second for saying, when I was younger, I was bullied. Look at me now. 
What I take issue with is those same people now thinking they can bully others without an ounce of remorse. Want to be a bully? Fine. Be a fucking bully. But don't use your past as a fucking justification. Back in the mid to late 80s, someone in my class took it upon themselves to organize the rest of the class to not give me one single valentine when the time came for everyone to do exactly that. The person who did so was told to stand, and when my teacher asked why, he had no issue saying no one likes him, no one wants, him to, no one wants to give him anything. Fast forward 30 years and a locker room that I frequent is organizing through a social media chat group. People bringing gifts for someone who is expecting their first child. I did not know this and when I said to that person that I wasn't included in the group, he looked me square in the eye and said, I know, and walked away. In the past week, I saw that same man post something to the effect of, when I was younger, I was bullied. Look at me now. In junior high, I saved my money and saved my money and saved my money for one single thing. A real deal Mickey Mouse watch with Mickey's arms acting as the arms of the watch. A blonde girl named Tammy Thompson saw it and said, only cool kids wear Mickey Mouse watches. Which I was not. Fast forward to me standing in a locker room when someone actually said to me, you have a podcast? Huh. Don't know how long that's going to might last or how long that might last. Only over people can make a podcast really work. In the past week, I have seen that man post something to the effect of, when I was younger, I was bullied. Look at me now. As recently as three years ago, a wrestler sat in front of me and said he had such low self-esteem because he grew up with everyone telling him how much he sucked and how he couldn't do anything right and how even though he had been in wrestling for so many years, people still looked at him and said, you suck, you can't do this, you will never be anything. Fast forward to the past couple months. I made a mistake introducing his match. After the show, that same wrestler said, Wow, you really fucked that up. I mean, really fucked that up. You need to learn how to ring announce properly. In front of the entire locker room. And just recently, he met with success and improved his social life. When he was young, he was bullied. Look at him now. To each and every one of you who say, Matt, you don't name names. Give us give us the scoop. Tell us who is acting like this. Are you scared? Yes, I am. Because I know that if I said just one fucking name, each and every one of these people would not only make sure I was ostracized from wrestling, but would threaten me with some form of fucking harm. 
if they're not going to already for even alluding that what they did was wrong. When I was younger, I was bullied. Look at me now. All right, so I sat down with uh, two magnificent Nicky Martin. I literally sat down with him, had dinner with him. Uh, him and I got together. Uh, Tim Nutt, uh, who comedian Tim Nutt, who was on the show about a month and a half ago. He uh, he said he's from British Columbia. He said he was going to be in Hamilton in the middle of October. He said if I uh, wanted to see the show, he would hook me up with a couple tickets. I took him up on that offer, and I took uh, Nicky Martin to the show with me. Uh, Nick is probably one of my best friends in wrestling. Him and I have known each other now for about eight, nine years. And, um, geographically, we just don't get the opportunity to, um, to get together and to do stuff together. So, uh, the show was in Hamilton that worked for both of us. And we went to the works to, uh, to do, uh, to, to have dinner, sorry, not to do, to, to, to have dinner. And, uh, I decided that we were sitting there, we're chatting Let's uh, turn on the cell phone and let's just chat and we'll put it on the podcast. And uh, I, I say that it is my cell phone and it is sitting between us. Uh, so I'm going to bring up two things. Number one, the audio. I think the audio came out a lot better than I thought it would. But there are a couple little segments where the words kind of get lost. Uh, but you guys, you're all smart. You'll know what uh, you'll know what we're saying. Uh, also, there was, uh, I did my very best to try to time it. So when he was eating, I was talking. And when he was talking, I was eating. Um, just to try to, you know, so there wasn't any spaces. There's like two kind of elongated spaces where no one's talking. And the plan was, I was going to go and I was going to edit those out. Um, but then I realized that there is music playing in the background in this, in the restaurant, in the works. So if I did that, then I'm cutting out a segment of the song. <laughs> so it's it's very noticeable to go from, you know, if, if you're familiar with the song, which they were playing great music, very popular music, to go from, um, if you're going halfway through a chorus, and all of a sudden we're we're on to like the the two we're two verses away. The 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 spaces aren't that long, and um, I don't think they they ruin the interview at all. Um, and as I said, there's, there's two of them. And once you're past the second one, you'll be like, Oh, thank God we don't have to do that again. And plus the music's pretty good. So this, the spaces aren't that bad. Um, we did go to Tim's show, a uh, decent show. I'm going to say just decent by no fault of the comedians at all at the show. There was a segment of the crowd that were celebrating a birthday and had obviously enjoyed some drinks before coming to the show and they were talkative very talkative and not whisper talkative talking talkative laughing talkative laughing at stuff that wasn't happening on the stage but just through their talking and it was very distracting and it was very distracting to me so I can only imagine how distracting it was to the comedians and I actually I don't even have to imagine because several times more than several times the comedians up on stage politely said Guys, can you keep it down, please? Um, and then, you know, the politeness kind of wore thin. And and understandably, it wore thin. If you're doing your job and you politely point out something that is keeping you from doing your job, and it's a reasonable expectation, but that person keeps doing it, it's going to frustrate you. And the frustration was very evident. 
And I think that just left a tension on the crowd. I think just everybody in the room was kind of tense and was just kind of, you know, because they can hear everybody. And these people are right behind me. And uh, just everybody can hear them. And that's getting kind of frustrating. And you're kind of waiting. When is when is the comedian going to kind of go over the edge, understandably over the edge? Um, so I think that was just the tension in the room. You're just wondering when's the next kind of frustration going to come out. Um, but Tim did a great job. Tim had a great show. And um, Scott Falconbridge, I'm a huge fan of Scott Falconbridge. And he was there. I had no idea who was going to be there. And uh, I kind of got a hint that he was a surprise. He was a surprise to me. I had never gotten to see Scott before, and I'm very happy that I got the opportunity to do that. And uh, some young, local, up-and-coming comics were also on the show. They all did an amazing, amazing, amazing job. Just, you know, unfortunately, that one segment of the crowd just kind of, you know, just ruined it for some people. Didn't ruin it for me. Uh, I did my very best to focus on what was going on on the stage and not what was right behind me. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, as I said, Nick and I had a great time. Nick could not stop uh, saying how great of a time he had at the show. And uh, But before the show, before we went and saw Tim Nutt on stage and Scott Falkenbridge on stage, we went to the works in Hamilton and uh, just had a little chat over dinner. Okay, so you were asking if uh, if Prince Isaac knows about wrestling. Yes. Um, he does. He knows it to see it. And as I said, Carrie Ann, um, Carrie Ann doesn't want him to really see it. She doesn't because he's you know, a, a hyperactive kid. So and he'll copy what he sees on the screen. But he does know it to see it. He knows that that's what Daddy goes to. Nice. So. If I'm sitting downstairs because I've got the, uh, the independentwrestling.tv and I've got Honor Club and I've got things like that, so I'll go downstairs and you know put that on my uh, on my television. So sometimes Isaac will come down, and he knows. As I said, he knows what Daddy's doing, so he'll come down and he'll go, "Where is this show?" And like the last one I think I was watching was in St. Louis, and I said, "This is in St. Louis," and he goes, "Can I go to St. Louis?" I said, no. And he goes, does Daddy go to St. Louis? I said, no, I don't go to St. Louis. And he's like, oh, okay. But he knows I go to Hamilton. So anytime I tell him like, I'm going to Hamilton, because every time I say I'm going to do a show, he says, can, can I come? Can Isaac come to the show? But he's not quite old enough, especially since I just go by myself. Of course. So I don't want to go, and being a ring announcer, obviously I'm, I'm doing the show. I'm there for the whole show. So it's not like I go out, do a match, come back, and just say, hey, watch my kid for 15 minutes. So yeah, so it's hard to uh, to do that. Except with MCW, um, your sister keeps telling me to uh, to bring Carrie in, which translates into probably bringing Isaac at some point. So so that's the answer if, if Isaac knows what wrestling is. I think he'll enjoy it, and I think you've got something to look forward to once he gets a little bit older too. Well, because you can introduce him to a whole new kind of a hobby. Yeah. Right. Like, the thing is, I get a lot of uh, the guys to uh, to autograph 8x10s to Isaac, and they're in a drawer at home. So, like, the bigger names, that, and, like, I shouldn't just say the bigger names. I get everybody to do it. And they sign to Isaac, and then they'll maybe a little message or whatever. 
So at some point, Isaac's going to open this drawer and he's going to be like, "Who are all these people? And why do they, why do they keep signing stuff to me?" But for all I know, he might be like, "Oh, this is that wrestling thing that Daddy does." And... No, I don't know. I think honestly, once you get old enough to realize what it is, right? And then you you took all the time. Thanks a lot, bud. You're welcome. You took all the time to you know get those for him. It'll be a nice keepsake. Yeah, he, it might, at the very least, it might be a keepsake, but. He, he might be into wrestling, he might not be. I think he will be because, again, he is a hyperactive kid. So, let's talk MCW. Because you and I haven't really chatted, because usually we see each other on show days. I know, and this th- is nice. I know, and things are so busy that we don't get a chance to actually chat. Because, um, okay, when did I come in? You came in, I think, in uh, the first or second show of 2011. So it was in Simcoe. Yeah. Yeah. So how long how long had you been going by then? Uh, about a year and just over a year. Oh, okay. Just over a year because we did the first show on November 26, 2010, and then we did the second show 2011, I think, in March, and you came in the show after that, which would have been in May or June. No, yeah. it was July 11th, because it was right after my birthday. Do you remember the first time you met me? Yes. I think it was in the name one show. No. No? Okay. See, now, then that just kind of ruins my follow-up question. But oh, I'm sorry. I, uh, I went to the Simcoe, to the Simcoe show. You had contacted me on social media, whether it was Facebook or whatever. Right. MSN Messenger, I don't know. Oh, wow. Now we're dating ourselves. Yeah, I know. But uh, you had contacted me, asked me if I wanted to do the show. Now, the funny thing was, I had confused you with Nick Wyman. So when I thought Nick Wyman, because at that point, that's when he was bringing Hogan in. Right. And said, hey, you want to come do my, ring announce my show? For like a day, I'm thinking like, I'm going to be ring announcing Hulk Hogan. I'm going to be ring announcing, and then somebody said, no, that's Nick Wyman. And I'm just like, oh, well, that's cool too. So I go to Simcoe, and I get there. You and I had never met, and I start helping set up the ring. And you went to Dave and said, the fuck's that guy? Because <laughs> you thought I was... Um, You're right. Well, I thought you were a totally different person. I thought you I can't were remember. Uh, Doug Felton. Was it person. Doug Felton? Yeah. Yeah, you thought I was Doug Felton. I thought you were Doug Felton. That's, you're right. And uh, Dave set me straight. Yeah. So, just like, is that Doug Felton helping set up the... No, no, that's not yeah. Doug Felton. So that, that kind of ruins my next question is, why, like, how did you hear about me? Um, honestly, I just heard Dave, Dave actually mentioned you. And I said that you were doing shows and that you were a really good ring announcer. Oh, okay. And then he set me up with a couple of YouTube links to some of the stuff that you were doing, and I liked it. That's okay. why initially I had asked you to, or tried to seek you out, because yeah. I was like, hey, this guy this guy knows what he's doing. All right, so I, I, I remember, I don't remember a lot of that first show, but I remember it wasn't wasn't very well attended but here we are how many years later seven eight years later and you're pretty much selling out the legion hall so that must feel pretty good it does i mean initially when i first started my my whole outlook was hey you know what 
I can do it. Yeah. Right? Like before, I had, you know, done a little bit of ring announcing. I'd gotten together with a couple of different people. I met some people out in Kitchener. And Paul Wright said to me one day, hey, instead of, you know, just going to the show, you should do one. And I looked at him like he was nuts. Yeah. I said, I can't do this. And he goes, well, maybe you could. Maybe I could. So I checked, and I was like, maybe I can. So, you know, I uh, put some things together. I got in touch with Eddie Osborne, and he said, hey, you know what? I can get your ring if you can make this work. Yeah. And that's how I got the ring in there, and the rest is history. So, obviously, the first show didn't end. Yeah. Because after the first show, I was like, man, I can't not do this. this i got to figure out how to do this. Keep doing it. Yeah. Because it's amazing. Like, the rush is... There's no other, there's no better rush than that. So, as I said, like, now we're seven, eight years later. We're selling out the Legion Hall. But you're very grassroots. You're very homegrown. I don't think there's a lot of chatter about you outside of Brantford. And so what, like... Is that on purpose? Like, do you focus on Brantford, or...? I think I, I try to focus on Brantford. I think, you know, we found a good community. The the shows that we did here, where we just kept coming back, and we kept getting good reviews, and I said to, you know, a couple of the guys, I said, hey, you know what, I like this community. Let's try and build on it. Yeah. And we brought in more people and more people. And I mean, now, because, I mean, we, we've gotten to that point where... It's nice if I announce a show, people are automatically excited about it. Yeah. Right? Whereas before I would announce a show and it's like, hey, who's, who's this outfit? Like, there's so many different companies out there. So it's kind of nice now because I can kind of look around and say, hey, who's new or who hasn't ever been here that I can kind of check check in and check out and, and see if maybe we can bring them in and make MCW a little bit different. Yeah. Like, obviously, we've got our, our core yeah. of people. But, you know, I always try to bring in somebody different every time. You know, it might not be somebody that's really huge in the business, but yeah. it's, it's different to MCW. And I think the fans like that. They kind of look forward to it now. Now, you also have uh, a familial connection to uh, Hamilton Wrestling Academy. So, how important is it to you to use them as, like, a new face or to give them an opportunity? With... With the Wrestling Academy, you know, with with Rip doing what he's doing, he loves what he's doing. Yeah. Right? And he goes out and he wrestles and he comes home and I don't think there's a day, every time I try to talk to him, he's like, hey, I'm training or hey, I'm in the academy doing this or hey, I'm getting ready to, to bring the ring to a show. Like, he's, he's so passionate about his people and the guys that have come out of there, like Tyler Arrow and uh, and uh, Mike Forte and uh, and BMP and uh, Dylan Daniels and and Doc uh, Doc Richards, yeah, you know, those guys have all, in some way, shape, or form, helped make MCW that much better. You know, they just kind of elevate. They, you know, they bring a new kind of fresh look to MCW and I, I love that yeah about that and that I can go to Dave and say hey who's new that's really you know outstanding that would really kind of gel with our crowd you know yeah and he'll come out and say hey you know try this guy or, or use that guy and, and he you know he'll put over his guys 
just like I put over everybody at MCW as much as I possibly can, and it, it just works. Now, because I, I would say that you've done it pretty much without names, but that's also saying that, you know, you've brought in Colt Cabana, you've brought in Angelina Love, uh, the Chikara guys were in, um, but for the most part, you have done it mostly homegrown. Like, I, I, I think, like, the homegrown people get just as much as a pop as the names. So, it, it's actually very, very commendable. Um, so, we, we got the, the next show coming up, Immortal. And the main event is um, Beautiful Bia and Sabrina Kyle inside of a cage. Um, has anybody said anything negative about that? Because now, me looking at it, hey, that's cool. But some people might look at it and say, excuse me, two women inside of a cage? This might be, this might be sexist, this might be, depending on how you present it. Has anybody given you any kind of flack for it? Honestly, no. And, and I'm happy about that. I mean, I'll be honest, the first time that I, I thought about doing it, because Bia and, and Sabrina actually pushed for it. Okay. They said, hey, like, we want to do this. We, you know, we're, we're, they're doing a program, and they're, it's heating up, right? So what better way to settle it than in the cage at the biggest show of the year for MCW? Yeah. And I said to them, I'm like, hey, you know, and I'm kind of thinking, like, old school, I'm going, eh, well, you know, it, it's it's hard, right? Because you got to remember, I know everybody that's booked. Yeah. Everybody that comes to those shows, I know them personally. I'm friends with a lot of them. So that's kind of my big thing is that every time that something, you know, whether it's big, whether it's small, they're putting their, their life on the line every time that they perform for me. And I love them for it, but still, it's kind of a worry in the back of my mind. But at the same time, they're so excited about it yeah. that it's making me excited. And I'm like, man, this is going to be a first for MCW in that one it's a steel cage and it's for the mcw women's championship and two i think it's the first time ever that women have ever main evented at mcw um yeah because and, and i feel the same way any show i do because i do know everybody personally and uh, for example like uh a1 did the purge just recently and like all the rules are thrown out for the entire show which as a wrestling fan i'm kind of like oh that's cool but as a friend to all these guys i'm like well crap now like i hope no one gets hurt i hope nothing happens because whenever there's a hardcore match or anything of that nature i spend the entire match just sitting there going oh damn it oh god oh god is he okay oh god is she okay oh god and then and then like but now i have to do it all show with the purge um now the first cage match uh, in MCW was uh, Scott Chase and Cody Diener. And the I, I've said it a few times that I've, I've done hardcore matches, I've done death matches, I've done no rope barbed wire matches, and I've ring announced from inside. Nothing, nothing sent a chill up my spine than being inside that cage. Um, so it's 
I'm, I'm really, really, really looking forward to it. Um, going forward, like what, 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 what's, what's left to do with MCW now? Like what is, what, what do you see in the future? What's the goals? You know, I think, I think for, for me personally as, as a promoter, and I, and I hate calling myself back because I've always been one to just kind of, you know, put myself out there as a manager and just kind of make it seem as if I'm, I'm not the guy behind everything. Right, because I don't, I don't really want to have that. I just want to go out, enjoy it, put everybody over, make sure everybody goes home happy, and that's that. And I think that's the main goal for MCW. So what's next for MCW is just to keep doing what we're doing. You know, keep building, keep trying to come up with good stories, keep trying to come up with good matches, and you know, if that includes cage matches or if that includes a, a hardcore match here and there, it's something that we stray away from. But you know what? It's never seen ever, we'll put it down. Yeah. Right? So, you do have cerebral palsy, and let, let's talk about that, because, well, not because, but let's just talk about it. Um, I've, I've interviewed you before for other projects, and you're a manager, and I've asked, do people have trouble booing you? Because you're visibly disabled, quote unquote. Do people have problem booing you sometimes? Or are they just, is, is it, is it I, that I they're think just... In, I think in Bradford, it's kind of established. You know, they, they enjoy it. Yeah. And I do everything I can to annoy people, so they'll... they'll they just that, react to it. Right? Um, if we go back to one of your ALS shows, and I'm going to I'm gonna kind of toot your own horn there, because you said to me, hey, I want you to cut a promo, and I want you to be a dick... And I want you to play up that you're, you have a disability. Yeah. And at first, because we talked about it quite a bit, I, even on the phone we talked about it, and I was uncomfortable with it. And then I came in, and I think you gave me a, a letter or a note or something. And said, hey, hold this up. And, you know, just act like a... You're, like a, a rich... You're, you're better than everybody. Yeah. You're rich. You're, you know... And I went out there, and I, I think it was in the top of one of the best promos I've ever cut. Yeah. And I'll always thank you for that. And I, I don't know if I've ever actually come out and said, like, you know, because that discomfort went away, yeah. right? Because it went from, I don't know, the fans are sitting there and I can see it on their faces, right? And as soon as it went away, it went from, I don't know if I should boo this guy to, oh my goodness, this guy is a... Yes, exactly. This guy is a... This guy just is... Yeah unbearable you know and i could see it and as soon as it clicked that it was okay like they and they started to boo and i was like oh well bam we got them this is how this is what you wanted this is you know yeah. what i tried strive for and this and, and that was the whole point of it was let's just elephant in the room let's approach it and just like it's kind of like going out there and saying like okay i know i have cp yeah now that we've talked about it Let's let's move on here. Yep. And the big thing was, I, I think the line that broke it all was, you know, I might walk a little funny, I might talk a little <laughs> funny, but you know what? I'm still better than everybody in this building. And then it went from, okay, sympathy's out the window. Screw you. Yeah. We're going to town now, and it just it the whole atmosphere and the whole feeling during that promo just switched. And then well, I went into high gear. So. Well, the thing is. 
and that, that was the that was the elephant that I wanted to get rid of was because with any disability, people are kind of you know they're skeptical to to be offensive, and I think a lot of people um, confuse cerebral palsy with some form of like mental disability. Like it, it is a mental disability. Don't get me wrong. In a, in a sense, it is. But it's all in how you look at it. Yes. Well, no, it, it is a it is a malfunction of your brain, is it not? Eh, I mean, it can. It affects different people different ways, right? Like some people, if you look at um, Gregory Iron, for example. Yeah. He is phenomenal in the ring, right? Yep. And he has his, his left or right arm. I'm sorry, I don't. I think it's his right. I'm not sure which one it is, but that's affected because of his CP. Me, it affects more the lower extremities, right? Whereas I know I can't do what Gregory Iron does because I don't have the like you know the, the strength to do it, which which is. It makes me think every time I, you know, get close to a gym, I'm like, you know what, I could probably, if I wanted to, go in and, and, and do that. But I have so much fun promoting and, and managing that, you know, um, I've had people say, you know what, you don't need to really go in 110% time doing that because you get a reaction either way. Um, you know, so I think the confusion sometimes is, that, and I, even I'm going to be a little careful in this, people think with CP that there's a delay, but it, no. it's, it's all up there. Like, it, of course. like cognitively, it's all up there. I mean, like, I used to date, and I'm not saying this like, haha, like you can't say anything to me. I used to date a girl with CP, and I, I, there was a few times people confused that. That, like, you know, that my girlfriend had a mental problem. And I, like, it's, talk to her for, like, two minutes. Like, it's all there. It's... <laughs> See, for me, that's the part, you know. If they have that misconception, I don't have a problem proving them wrong. No. Right? Because I could sit here and talk to you all day. If you want to have a conversation about a difficult subject, it's not something that bothers me. Yeah. I may not understand it. Eh. You know? And that's not to say I don't understand it, you know, because of my mental disability. It's that, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. On the topic. But hence why... That's like any human. Hence I wanted to get that elephant out of the room. Yeah. Like, hey, I know I have CP, but guess what? <laughs> I'm still smarter than you. And I, I just, and once again, you're right. Once we got that out of the way, it was just off to the races, and everyone was like. And then to even further it was when um, it was you were managing Steve Brown and against Dave uh, Rip. And um, I gotta put that match over because I know if they listen to that podcast, they'll start laughing about it. Because I put that match over as one of the greatest matches I've ever had. And it wasn't about the match itself. Like, it was so simple. And Steve is so good yeah. at, you know, making things look easy. You know, like, he'll come out, he'll, he'll jaw jack with the crowd, distract the referee. I go to town, and it's like, there's nothing difficult about it. It was just a nice, great match. And it translated and looked really good. And not putting myself over, the other thing that I had you do 
was at one point Rip turns around because you've like held his leg or something, and he turns around and grabs you and cocks his fist, and you're like, yeah, go ahead, hit the guy with the disability, go ahead, huh? Oh, big man hitting a guy with a disability. Come on, come on, come on. And he just kind of like, oh. Just another thing that you're a jerk. That's <laughs> also the mark of a heel there. Too. Oh, yeah. Take advantage of what you got, right? So. And that's what I try to do. Just work with what I got. I may not be the fastest, got right? Some, got some ketchup in the corner of there. Of course I do. Of course you do. Um, I may not be the fastest. I may not be... You know the the most coordinated. Yeah. But I think if you ask any fan base that's ever seen me out at ringside, they'll tell you that I'm entertaining. And oh, that's, for sure. That's all I care about. You know, if I can go out and entertain, whether I'm face, whether I'm heel. Yeah. I'm gonna keep doing that because I love doing it. And like you, you said, like you're not the, the fastest on two feet. Mm-hmm. Um. I I noticed that that. If you have to be in a position for something like that, uh, that time you went through the table. If you have to be in position for something, someone like me, actually anyone really watching, can kind of see it progressing. Because you have to get up on the apron, get to where you need to be, things like that. So people can see it kind of progressing and kind of like, something's going to happen here. So, no, there's no like quick spots. But I've always noticed people like Dave, people like Steve, guys like that, who work around that. Like, the face, if he sees you climbing up onto that apron, you know, it's just kind of, hey, what are you doing? So it's actually more, it's actually harder than people think that they have to not see you. It is, but you know, when it, when it works, it works. Yeah. Because the end result of that is we're all looking, we're all, we all have a common goal, right? Everybody in that ring, whether you're, you know, trying to antagonize people, distract the referee, whatever it happens to be, we're all working toward that common goal. And there was a match that we had, I think it was at the return in 2012, which would have been in... April of 2012, and it was Easy E against Rip, and it was a table match. Okay. And the perfect example of that is the pop that we got when I when I went through that table. Mm-hmm. Albeit it was one of the most uncomfortable things of life. However, it worked. So would I do it again? You're darn right, I would. Now, your mom and sister <laughs> worked the front door of all the shows. They didn't know you were doing that. Why not? I didn't tell them. <laughs> okay, smart ass. See your face. Oh, smart I wish ass. people could see your face. Okay, smart ass. Why didn't you tell them? That's okay. I'll I'll edit out the eating. <laughs> Where was he? 
didn't tell them because I had a, I had a strange feeling one or the other of them would have talked me out of it. And mom is, mom is very protective of everybody in the family. So for me to say, hey, you know what? Sometime tonight, I don't know when, but I'm gonna break through a table with my body. Yeah. I didn't think that was a good conversation to have to have with her. <laughs> and then have her worry about it for the entire show. I, I think when it happened, it was more the shock value. And I call it added effect, but I don't think she enjoyed the fact that when, and I don't think, I don't know if you saw it or if anybody saw it, to be honest, but when Rip moved and Eric gave that super kick, that super kick actually hit me in the mouth. So not only did I go through the table, but my mouth was busted open. And the rest is history. Thank goodness I didn't have a lot to do after that. And thank goodness that table broke. Yeah. But would I do it again? In a heartbeat. I do remember that your uh, that your lip was busted. Mm-hmm. Now, someone on the roster is married into your family. Are we allowed to talk about that or? Go for it. Okay. So Rip Impact is your brother-in-law. Rip Impact is on a lot of these shows, and obviously with that match, um, it was Easy E against Rip Impact. So obviously he knew it was going to happen. Did he take any flack from the family because they didn't? Because he didn't say, by the way, Nick's going through a table. Um, at first, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was. Oh my goodness. How did that happen kind of thing? And then it turned into, well, he wanted to do it. So then it became, well, you can't really yell at anybody because, one, it worked, and two, it didn't, it didn't matter. Like, you know, it was a it's matter after the of... Fact, yeah. hmm? It's after the fact. We know that, you know, you're still walking and everything. But it was something that just needed to be done. Table match, you know, yeah. and I, I look back, and there was a match at one of the Toronto shows for ROH. And I apologize in advance because I don't know who was directly involved in that match, but I remember Ruth Martini getting super kick off the apron through the table and he he flew a lot higher than I did (laughs) but that's essentially one thing that kind of inspired me and MCW at the start I don't know if you you noticed or if you know but if you google or you go to YouTube and you look at the first ever championship match for MCW it was a table match. I didn't know that. And it was Eddie Osborne against Super Kamikaze for the MCW championship. And I, I love table matches. I was a big fan of the Dudley Boys when they were in for the Attitude Era. 
And it was just something that caught my eye, and I'm like, hey, we, we need to do that. Yeah. Like, we got to be famous. So MCW, for the first little while, was built on table matches, and we did a lot of triple threat matches, too. So it was something that we, we kind of became known for at the beginning. Yeah. Now, to get back to that table spot, I remember after it happened, I ran over to you, and I checked if you were okay, and when I looked up, your mom, your sister, and maybe your aunt, or like a close friend of the family or something, I can't remember her name, but your mom and sister were looking at me, kind of like, because I had... I had knelt down with you, and I had said, you know, you good, and the first thing out of your mouth, I think, was, how did it look? And I said, it looked fine. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. When I looked up, your mom and sister were looking at me, and I'm just kind of like, you know, kind of trying to convey, like, he's fine. But your aunt, or friend of the family, or whoever it might have been, suddenly she's down next to me, and she's sitting there, and she's just like, and she's like rubbing your arm or something, and she's like, "Oh, Nick, are you okay, Nick? Nick?" And I'm just like, "Okay, back off!" Like, because <laughs> she like really wanted to get down there and and see you. That would have been my. <clears throat> I guess she's my aunt Donna, and uh, she's she's really into. The wrestling, but it's more kayfabe to her, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Right? So, she was more likely under the impression... Well, when she's arguing with me, she's like, no, no, I have to check on him, I have to check on him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, he's fine, just back up. <laughs> but, with that even said, that's pretty much the, one of the best reactions we could have gotten. Yeah. For the sake of, of what it is, right? So I knew it was gonna create a shock value. I knew the family was gonna go nuts. I did it anyway. Yeah. You know. So let's talk about one last thing. I don't know how long ago you and I started doing this, but I know what you're gonna try, Yeah, you used to tell me to come outside the ring kneel down, and you would climb on top of me and get into the ring. And pictures of this, of course, circulated. And my mother found one of these pictures and, and said, like, sweetheart, like, she gets it, okay, like, or she, she got it. Um, like, sweetheart, why is this man climbing on your back? And I told her, and she's like, well, isn't that a little demeaning? And I said, don't worry, Mom, it all comes around. Well, I don't know how long we've been doing it, dude. When is this going to come around? (laughs) (laughs) This is Matt Perry putting me on the spot, ladies and gentlemen. However, I think 2020 is going to be an interesting year for MCW. Okay. Because one of my main goals for 2020 is really paying attention to stories. Yeah. More so than we do now. And 
There's a couple of people that have kind of an inside joke within my, I guess, inner circle where they've called me Mr. Russo. Okay. In reference to Vince Russo. And uh, what Vince Russo did a lot of the time was he would focus a lot on, on main event action. Okay, and kind of let the, the mid card kind of fall where it may. Yeah. And there's been a couple of shows, a couple of shows now, where I've been really, really trying to focus on bettering the mid card and, and bettering the, the, the divisions of, of MCW, the tag team division. I know that there's stuff that needs to be addressed there. The, the women's division kind of has its own story right now with, with uh, the cage and everything else, which is fine. And the championship, as it stands, again, we're looking at programs. We're looking at getting guys that, you know, should be showcased. showcased. How we're going to do that, I think after once everything is all kind of said and done and the smoke clears from Immortal, that's going to be one of my big... Um, focus points is to really focus on, on story as opposed to, you know, um, the right here, right now, yeah. and kind of really try to have things more, more, more planned, you know, so that this show's over, we're going to, to this now, yeah. and then in this show, this is why this is happening, so that in the future, this is why this happened kind of thing and and I, that's my main big goal for for 2020 is to to really focus on storylines not just for the main event but for for everybody that still doesn't answer when i get to punch you in the mouth it'll come anyway let's finish our supper and then we're going to go see tim tim knight who i wish i could remember what episode he was on but uh, yeah, let's finish our supper and then we got a got a show to go to. Sounds good. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is another episode of It's Time to Fight podcast. Thank you so much for listening this week. I hope you listen next week and the week after that. I hope you listen every Friday. As I said before, on Podbean, on Spotify, on iTunes, most of all over at timetofight.ca. You can follow the show over on Twitter at Time to Fight Pod. You can follow me personally at Announcer Terry. I'm a ring announcer. I'm a damn good one, just in case you didn't know. You can also, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about anything that we say or do, please email us. Let us know. Time to Fight Pod at gmail.com. That's Time to Fight Pod at gmail.com. Just a reminder that November 15th, 2019, It's Time to Fight will present Wrestling with ALS Trivia Night. We are going to have 10 questions, 10 categories, 10 rounds. That's 100 questions in all. It's going to be a great time. It's for all trivia levels. There's going to be some softballs thrown up, but there are going to be a few hard ones. But most of all, we are raising money for the ALS Society of Ontario. For information on that, please go to timetofight.ca. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you all next week. Isaac, I love you, buddy. I love you, too.